Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thinking Aloud About Films. We are on our 17th Hu Shen podcast and on our 8th on context relating to Hu Shen cinema. Today, we're looking at the fourth Sinchi <laughs> film, The Rice Dumpling Vendors from 1969. So, Richard, what did you think? Another great film from Sinchi. Um, fairly ridiculous melodrama, but I, I found it very enjoyable and, and also visually very interesting as well. Yes, I love it and I didn't find it ridiculous actually. Great melodrama is always on the verge yeah, of the ridiculous, you know, but there's a, a reason why it's effective or why it's moving or why it's dramatizing something. And actually, I thought this was great kind of it turns the tables. It really is about the the single mother trope, the women abandoned, you know, mm. because of a lack of morals or a perceived lack of morals. But this time, you know, it's the father who ends up with all the children. Um, so do you want to tell us a story before we move on? The film starts off, there's a, a couple in bed and you don't really find out who they are. And then it cuts to this mother at home and suddenly there's a home invasion. This man appears in her bedroom, runs off. The husband arrives home. And the husband thinks that the wife has been having sex with the guy that's just left left the bedroom, particularly because the guy left a pair of capacious uh, underpants <laughs> on, on on the bed. And the husband says, "What? Who's whose underpants are these?" And he then he says, "Just because I've got a mistress, you think it's okay for you to sleep with men?" And then they have a fight. He kicks the wife out. The wife then leaves. And then it kind of cuts to some time later, and you 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 learn that the mistress has essentially stolen all this guy's money and so he's now having to leave the house with his three kids and live in poverty and this is all this is like in the first five minutes yes. i mean this is where i was saying last week that these films move like a warner brothers film of 1931 that in 60 minutes backs yeah, all of these yeah. drama and changes i mean it yeah. does move so, at that speed Exactly. So you so you, you realise, although it's not made fully clear till later, that actually it was the you know the mistress arranged this whole scenario with the with the guy breaking into the bedroom and leaving the underpants in order to to create the situation. Anyway, the main part of the film then starts, and it's the the husband living in poverty with his three kids. Including, you know, one is a baby. The, the the other two are I don't know twelve and eight maybe. There's a kindly older couple next door who help look after them. The kids all have to get jobs, or the baby. The baby doesn't get a job, obviously. <laughs> the baby doesn't pull its weight, but the but the other two get jobs as you know, shoe shine boy and rice dumpling vendor. Hence the hence the title. There's all sorts of calamities. The husband falls off a building, breaks his arm, uh, can't earn any money. How are they going to survive? He tries to give the baby away. He gets the baby back. Then. You know, eventually the mistress is unmasked. They they're all reunited. I think the key thing is that there's a spiraling descent, mm. right, into privation and want and real mm. poverty, where there, in fact, the father feels forced to give up the baby, right? So uh, there's like a complete unraveling of the family until the end. There's a very kindly couple next door, one mm. who uh, sells balloons. And the other one, of you know, very motherly type. The woman who plays the motherly neighbor was actually also the comic figure in May 13th, Day of Sorrows. If you remember, the overweight best friend of the bad sister who works in the lab. 
Oh, really? Yes, I, I think did, so. I didn't spot that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I wondered whether the older man, you know, whether the balloon seller, he's got a very distinctive voice, whether he was the father in Foolish Bride, Naive Bridegroom. I'm not, I'm not sure. King's College London has provided a description sheet, which I will add to the blog post, because it does have names and very interesting information, including the fact that the the mother who is abandoned or is kicked out of the house is played by megastar Jin Mai. This presumably is is a low budget film made in the Taiwanese language. So, but nonetheless, yeah, it has somebody who was considered a very big name. As with his other films, it borrows from some unexpected sources. So, there's a surprising element of psycho in it. When the first scene started and you see a shirtless man in bed and, and the woman in underwear getting out of bed, which presumably was quite a shocking scene for the time, that put me in mind a little bit of the opening scene in, in Psycho where it's, you know, the whole point is, you know, Janet Lee's wearing her bra and it's the middle of the day, you know. But then I thought, well, maybe, maybe I'm stretching things a little bit. But then, of course, towards the end of the film, he does the shower scene from Psycho. Yes. And, 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 well, he, tries, he tries to do the shower scene from Psycho, which is a bit of a surprise given the film up, up to that point. One of the interesting things I read is that the child is played by the same child who did The Bride Who Returned From okay, Hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's the same child who plays the child here. And mm. she is the daughter of producer Dai Chuan Li and is uh, given two songs to sing, which again I will <laughs> excerpt. Uh, well. That does explain her casting. <laughs> <laughs> it explains her casting and what what she's given to do. I mean, we're discussing this a little bit kind of in a semi-camp manner, I suppose. But really, I was so impressed by the look of the film, you know, uh, by the composition. This one in particular, there was some very interesting compositions. And I think this, this you know, you, you could see things, things like, you know, very interesting framings and shooting from the inside of buildings where the action's going on the outside and you know frames within frames and shots through windows and all of this kind of thing quite long shots with a static camera where things are moving within that scene it was all really to me quite reminiscent of, of, of the later Ho Shao Shan stuff yes um, oh yeah well that's interesting I I mean for me it didn't remind me of Hu Shao Shan though as I said it did remind me of pre-code American yeah. films uh, great melodramas and actually, sometimes the remnants of melodrama that you see in 1960s auteur cinema, you know, where the images are made to carry a lot of the poetic mm. weight of the situation. I mean, there's a scene where the father has also become a, a, a vendor. And actually, this is the image I've chosen for this podcast. So he's selling rice dumplings. He doesn't know it, but his daughter is also selling rice dumplings. And of mm. course, it's very dangerous in the middle of the night. There are lots of gangsters around who are looking for women to sell. <laughs> so the girl is particularly vulnerable. Mm. And there's a scene in the rain where uh, the father is wearing one of those uh, Chinese, kind of stereotypically Chinese hats. And it's pouring and pouring and pouring. And it's like all the rain is falling into his hat. And he tilts yeah, his head to see what's happening. Mm. Yeah, and the rain almost like, yeah, it's like yeah. A, a kind of a guttering. Mm. And it just looks so beautiful with the rain and the light and the hat, yeah? Yeah, mm. and it's also like, 
you know, an image of this is what this bourgeois man who had a nanny and a house and a mistress <laughs> has been reduced to, right? And it's almost like that's all in the tilt of the head. I think yeah, it's really yeah. beautiful. Yeah. The other thing that struck me in terms of parallels with these later films we were watching is the parallels with, with The Sandwich Man. In The Sandwich Man, you've got the the character who's has to dress as a clown and walk around with the, yes. with the sandwich board, you know, the poor couple living in poverty, but looking after their kid, a very similar environment to where they're living. And of course you've got the, there you've got the, the balloon seller in his clown, always in his clown costume and everyone's slightly embarrassed by the clown costume. And then you have the scene where uh, the father has an accident and ends up in hospital and they all have to turn up to the hospital with food yes. and they're wailing. And again, similar to the other film within the other short film in, in the Sandwich Man, and the Sandwich Man was the three films were set in the 1960s, so set set in the period this was made. So yes, I found that, I, whether that a coincidence, possibly, but I found that quite interesting. I think that is very interesting, and I hadn't thought of it before. And there's all kinds of similarities. So mm. you know, the working on the streets, uh, the doubts about the baby, and mm. maybe getting rid of the baby. Yeah, the, kind of. There are a lot of themes that kind of resonate in this one, though this is told with great verb and energy it's a very short film it's a surprisingly short film it's an hour and 23 minutes i mean again it's a nice restoration but the the materials they were working with weren't great and there were occasional missing frames and that kind of thing i i did wonder whether there are parts of the film are missing because it there are certain bit like the for instance you you get um just a single scene where the mother's gone to a different town and and, and, and buys a shop and then the that's not returned to you. Know, you know she's earning money, and then the bit later where the the father ends up in the police station, and it, it's a very odd, very strangely edited sequence. And so I did I did wonder whether perhaps there's another ten fifteen minutes that, that that no longer exists. There could very well be, but the film I think works without it. Yeah, uh, it is jumpy. There's no question about it. This is a bit of a jaggly film, but it gives you all the information you need. It moves very quickly. And I found it really affecting. It's a very silly premise, but to me, but it but it does completely work. I'm not sure if it is a silly premise. I mean, you know, you can read it in a more interesting way and say it really kind of demonstrates, you know, the precarity of of one's economic and social position, you know, mm. at a time of great social and economic change. Yeah. yeah, which again, if you compare it with The Sandwich Man, is what all those films in, in, in that are about, where people are having to hold together their existence with these precarious jobs and, and do these menial jobs and they're, you know, they're dependent on the whims of bosses. There's no kind of, uh, you know, social security type safety net for anybody. So, you know, in the, 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 the film with the hospital and the sandwich man, you know, the, the family end up winning because the guy is taken to the American hospital and looked after by the Americans. But, you know, if he'd been taken to the, the, the Taiwanese hospital, they presumably the family would have had to bring him food and, and, you know, pay for the treatment and so on and so on. There are recurring things about the cinema of Sin Chi that um, I think are worth commenting on. First, the use of music. So this has songs. It has that kind of sax versions of American films. Uh, that uh, we've seen in his previous mm. films. In this case, the one I've remarked is you, I've got you under my skin. Yeah. The, there was also Bibbity Bobbity Boo is the song from 
the Walt Disney Cinderella. Ah, okay. Well, I noticed that as well, but I, I didn't know where, where it was coming from. Mm. Uh, but I've got you under my skin. It, mm. It's, mm. it's not only legible or understandable uh, as I've got you under my skin, but as the Sinatra version of it, right? Like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so oh, I wonder how rights work in Taiwan. It's like a, a kind of... Uh, like uh, no one asked. You know, you're just making this film for the local market, obviously. So um, I don't know whether this would still be an issue, you know, if they were planning to actually commercially release these films rather than just streaming them from the archive. I, I don't know. I think it would be an issue, actually. Yeah. The other thing that struck me was the melodramatic use of music. So in the shower murder that we see, the music pumps up the volume and it's slash, slash, slash. Yeah, like it's, it's kind yeah, of yeah. archetypally melodramatic. And you know, one of the ways of looking at melodrama is as, a, as an excess of effect over cause. Yeah. Kind of, I don't know, you lose your job and instead of just losing your job, it's like your whole life falls apart. You lose your baby, you lose your wife, you end up in the gutter. You know, so so it's that kind of excess uh, of effect over cause. Uh, and, you know, the music very much uh, plays that way. And also the interpolation of the songs, the other than their Taiwanese songs. Not as many as some of the other films. There are only two in this one. The other thing that I thought was a, a, a kind of a, a pattern was uh, the use of on-location shooting for parts of the film, that you, you get a sense of this yeah, is what Taiwan yeah. was like. Yeah. And then, you know, the greatly imaginative use of camera and composition, I mean, it really stands out. And another thing that was impressive in this one, and also I think in, the, in, in Dangerous Youth, which we've criticised in some in some of the earlier ones was was the editing. There was some scenes of, of very like the shower scene. It wasn't quite up to the Hitchcock standards, but but it but it was very tightly edited. You had very quick shots, and there were other scenes like that with, and I think also in Dangerous Youth, where it would you know, raise tension by you know cutting very quickly between two people's faces glaring at each other and this kind of thing. One of the things that the King's College program sheet says. Uh, is that uh, the rice dumpling uh, stands out for two reasons. One was the gender reversal, that it happens to the father. Mm. But the other one is that these melodramas of development were a staple genre in the Taiwanese language cinema industry, and that their heyday coincided with the era of Taiwan's economic miracle, during which annual growth rates of 10% were regularly maintained. The way that this film stands out is that most films are about the dangers faced in the transition from the countryside to the city, but Si Bing, the protagonist, his problems begin when he is already well established in his new modern lifestyle. So it's like an exploration of this new modern lifestyle itself, yeah, and yeah, how it can yeah, be lost. Yeah. An interesting difference between these Taiwanese language melodramas and those done in Mandarin, which ostensibly were called the healthy realist <laughs> Mandarin language cinema, is that the Mandarin ones were very glossy and optimistic, whereas these are full of danger, deceit, exploitation. Mm. Yeah? yeah, I mean, yeah. I was really struck by how you have a family melodrama and it so clearly intersects with noir yeah, I mean, you know, this is also a crime drama, prostitution, gangs, yeah, crime. Yeah. Um, and I, I love the bits where they keep, they keep missing the mother, like when the mother arrives at the hospital and she just 
it's very cleverly put together sequence where she just manages to not see the daughter who's visiting the father because she's there to visit the nanny and they they sort of pass each other in the corridor and it's with one going upstairs and one going downstairs and it's very very kind of well put together i mean i don't know what else to say really except to say that i love it and actually i would really like to see more shinchi films if they were available i mean i think they're not glossy they're sometimes very rough but actually you know there's something very artful about them yeah mm. uh, they really evoke a culture in a very beautiful and vivid kind of visceral way that, that i like very much just having the opportunity to see these well the, these four films and also the three previous ones has been absolutely fascinating and uh, yeah so uh, we once again thank uh, the taiwan uh, film and audiovisual institute for making them available uh, to us and we hope we've done our little bit to circulate a little bit of taiwan culture internationally well, thank you very much for listening. We are thinking aloud about film. I'm Jose. I'm Richard. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.